Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 46 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson, kicking off first episode of the new year 2021. If you're new to listening, how we do it, five topics, unpopular opinion. That's how we're going to do things around here. So let's get right into it. Topic number one. NFL playoffs are about to begin tomorrow. That's right. Saturday, January 9th, 2021. The NFL postseason kicks off, and we have an expanded postseason. 14 teams will be in it. To break it down real quick, here's how it works. So in the AFC, we got the Chiefs at the one, best team in the NFL to this point. At the number two, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, They will go up against the Indianapolis Colts. The three seed belongs to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They'll go up against the Cleveland Browns. And the four seed goes to the Tennessee Titans. And they will go up against the Baltimore Ravens. In the NFC, the Packers, with leading MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers, captured the one seed. At the two spot will be the New Orleans Saints going up against my Chicago Bears, who got the seventh seed, managed to sneak into the playoffs in the final week. At the three seed, the Seattle Seahawks will go up against division rival, the Los Angeles Rams, who got the sixth seed. And then the four-five matchup will be the Washington football team, who managed to win the NFC least, going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the GOAT, Tom Brady. What we're going to do, I'm going to give you my picks, and I will announce a Super Bowl winner on this episode of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. That's right. We're doing it here right now. So to break down the games, first game, I guess, we'll we'll literally go by how the scheduling works. So first game tomorrow, January 9th, will be the Colts at the Bills. That'll be at 105 Eastern Time. And frankly, you can see how smart I am once you listen to it after these games happen and see how excellent my picks are because we know I am extremely accurate when it comes to picking games and winners of games. So first game, Buffalo Bills against the Indianapolis Colts on CBS. So we get to hear Romo, Jim Nance. I do like them as a commentating pair. Well, yeah, I got to go with the Bills. I think it's pretty straightforward that the Buffalo Bills are going to win. I have never believed in the Colts all year. If you listen to any episodes to this point, you know I am not a big fan of Phillip Rivers at all. I do not believe in the Colts one single bit. Yes, they have a good defense. they got a decent roster assembled. I just do not believe in Phillip Rivers. He has never come through in big games in the postseason especially. So I have little to no faith in the Colts at all. Every time I picked them throughout this year, they've let me down. And when I picked against them, they have shocked. So little to no faith. They don't scare me in the slightest. Whereas Buffalo, trending in the right direction. Josh Allen has skyrocketed and ex- has exceeded expectations as they've added Stephon Diggs. They have one of the best defenses in the league. They're playing phenomenal football to this point. Uh, how you could go against the Buffalo Bills right now, uh, I wouldn't believe you if you said... you you had the Colts winning this game. 
I mean, <laughs> Buffalo is just the better team, plain and simple. Plain and simple. They're playing better football right now. Everything they're doing, it, they're just clicking on all cylinders. They finished the year 13-3. and three. Um, I just, they're a really good team. A really good team. I mean, they took it to the Dolphins. They wanted to lock up that two spot to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs until with possibly the Chiefs slipping up. Like, the Bills went after it. The Bills went after it. Finished this season on what? Uh, They hadn't lost a game since the Hail Mary play against the Arizona Cardinals all the way back on November 15th. Since then, they beat the Chargers, 49ers, Steelers, Broncos, Patriots, Dolphins. Like, they finished the season exactly how you want to finish things on a hot streak, on a heater. So give me the Buffalo Bills every day of the year for this matchup. Every day of the year. Every day of the year I'm taking the Bills with this. So Bills are going to beat the Colts. Game number two, the Seattle Seahawks going to go up against the Los Angeles Rams. That game will be on Fox at 440 Eastern time. Look, at this point, is Goff going to play? Is Goff going to play for the Rams? I don't think they have any chance with that AAF quarterback that they're starting. He's a nice, interesting story, but I, I don't see it. I don't see how the Rams could possibly win this game with him playing quarterback. Uh, that, plain and simple. Like Russell Wilson or some guy who was just playing in the AAF a couple years ago. Who, who are you taking? Oh, <laughs> who are you going to pick? I know who I'm picking. I'm picking the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they're starting to get better. They finished the year 12 and 4. I'm, Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I know the Rams have if the best defense, uh, one of the best pass rushes, one of the best secondaries. They're a defensive team. Their offense, really, you just need to game manage with them. Um, you know, the eighth team in the last, the Rams specifically, eighth team in the last 25 years to lead the NFL in scoring defense, total defense, and pass defense in a single season. Five of seven, five of the previous seven teams went to the Super Bowl. So defense wins championships in the NFL. It's still a thing. So the Rams have potential. But if Goff isn't playing, I have a hard time believing that the Rams can win this game even with their spectacular defense. The Seahawks have allowed 150 fewer yards per game in the second half of the season, the largest such improvement by any team since the NFL moved to a 16-game season back in 1978. I mean, they started the year in the first half of the season statistically one of the worst defenses of all time. I got a friend, Seattle Seahawks fan. He was dogging them, absolutely disrespecting this team and his team. And yet here they are, one of the best defenses in the league right now. Again, another team that's trending in the right direction. And their last meeting was just December 27th. The Seahawks won 20-19. to Like they showed they can win defensive shootouts. The Rams have scored fewer than 24 points and have fewer than 340 total yards in each of their last four games. So they're not putting up offensive numbers. And again, if Goff's not playing, no chance. No shot in hell. The Rams have held opponents to fewer than 20 points um, in eight games this season. That's the second most games in the NFL. So I got the Seahawks winning. With no golf, I have a really hard time 
choosing the Rams in this one. The Seahawks have been the better team throughout. Rams do have a great defense, but I still have to go with the Seahawks in this one. Um, they're just the better team. I like Wilson over Goff anyways. I like Carroll as a coach to this point over Sean McVay, even though he's one of the brightest minds in football. I got to go with the Seattle Seahawks winning this game. Game number three of the wild card weekend will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team uh, there in Washington, D.C. That'll be on NBC um, at 8.15 Eastern time. I'm going with the Bucs. Look, the NFC lease, frankly, doesn't deserve a team to have made it to the playoffs because of I, the... The Washington team was the best. They went 7-9. and nine. And They belong in it. I don't want to hear anything about the Giants. They finished the year 6-10, and 10, even if the Eagles threw the game against Washington. I don't believe that the Giants belonged in the playoffs, regardless being 6-10. and 10. I just, Give me the bucks. I know the Washington's got one of the best pass rushes in the league. That's how you beat Brady. Cold weather environments and pass rush are a way to shut down Tom Brady. This is his 18th playoff berth, though. The first time in his career that Tom Brady will be playing as a wildcard team. What? In 18 playoff berths, he never played on wildcard weekend. That's absolutely astonishing. Tom Brady has more playoff wins than the entire Washington franchise. He's got 30 playoff wins while Washington as a team, altogether as a franchise, has 23. And another reason why I have no faith in this Washington football team, Alex Smith, comeback player of the year, definitively, is still having soreness in his calf, and it is likely he will not play. Very likely he will not be available for tomorrow's game as he's recovering from an injury. And it's, it's great to see him back on the field. I really think Washington is a different team with him out there, but little to no faith that this team can win. I think the, it, the game will be surprisingly closer than I would expect with how dominant you would see the Bucks' offense. You know, Mike Evans might not play, but they still have Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Fournette, uh, and Tom Brady, the GOAT himself. Uh, it's a cold-weather environment. Brady has never been great in cold weather. It's a night game. Brady struggles at the during night games and in cold weather. So I expect the Bucks, if they're smart, to be a little more conservative on offense. Again, I think the game will be a little closer than we would expect. But they've also scored 24-plus points in seven straight games, the longest streak in franchise history. And here's the thing. The Washington is so much better. They're 5-1 and one in games that Alex Smith is the starting quarterback. They're 2-8 and eight in all other games. If that doesn't tell you enough that this team is drastically different when Alex Smith is the quarterback under center, I don't know what to tell you. But he's probably not going to play. He is probably not going to play. So even if he were to play, I would still have the Bucks winning. I got the Bucks winning this one. and But I will say it probably will be a close game just because of the elements involved. Washington has a good defense, good pass rush. They might get to Brady. The Bucs need to establish the run. They haven't done it all year, but this is the game they need to do it. Be a little more conservative. and um, But give me the Buccaneers in this one. So tomorrow's games, I got the Bills beating the Colts. I got the Seahawks beating the Rams. And I got the Buccaneers beating 
the Washington football team. On Sunday, the first game, Ravens against the Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN and ABC. Look, both of these teams have the best rushing attack in the NFL. The Ravens have the best. Titans have the second best. Uh, so it's going to be a shootout. The last time these two played each other, it was an absolute barn burner. Both teams are 11-5. and five. I, It just... Wow, it's gonna be, it's gonna be in a a very exciting game. It, this is might be the best game of the weekend. The Ravens have averaged fourteen and a half points per game in two playoff games with Lamar Jackson as the starter. That's compared to thirty point six points per games in the regular season when Lamar Jackson starts. So, does pressure get to him? I don't know. What is he? Third, fourth year in the league? I think it's his third year. He hasn't played very much, so. I'm giving him time to learn. He's still an excellent player. He's a former MVP. Like, let's not get off the Lamar Jackson bandwagon too quick. Um, the 2,000 Rams are the only team to allow more points per game than the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, they got a really good offense, but the defense is suspect. Suspect. Very, something to be very worried about if you are the Tennessee Titans or a Tennessee Titans fan. This is the fifth meeting between the Titans and the Ravens in the postseason. The road team is 4-0 and in the previous four matchups. Guess who the road team is? The Baltimore Ravens, since the Titans won their division. That would be the AFC South. Derrick Henry, I mean, he's a beast in the playoffs. He's averaging 126 yards per game. That's the second most in the in playoff history with a minimum of five games. I mean, Lamar Jackson is just the reigning MVP. Just, I like him more than I do Tannehill. That's for sure. Uh, the Ravens allowed 18.9 points per game this season. That's the second fewest in the NFL. Tennessee averaged 30.7 points per game. That's the fourth most. So, one team's very defensive-oriented but has a high-octane offense, that being the Ravens, whereas Titans are all offense. I, they have to win shootouts. They do not win low-scoring games because, frankly, games aren't low-scoring because their defense is not good. I just haven't seen the consistency that I like to out of Tennessee. I would be worried if I did have to play Tennessee just because of how potent their offense is, but I like where Baltimore is trending in the right direction more so than the Titans. History is on the side of Baltimore. This is the game Lamar Jackson turns that playoff record around. Two previous starts, two losses. He's going to get his first playoff win on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, and the Baltimore Ravens will win that game. Second game on CBS and Nickelodeon. <laughs> That's right. A game is going to be on Nickelodeon, and this is the joke of the joke game. This is another joke game. The Chicago Bears going up against the New Orleans Saints. That's right, duh, Bears. Sneaking into the playoffs at 8-8 eight and eight after getting demolished by the Packers. Look, the Bears, I, I have little to no faith in this team, especially with Trubisky at the helm. I mean, he, he has improved. I mean, they went on a six-game losing streak at one point this year. That's right, a six-game game losing streak and they still made the playoffs. The Bears made the playoffs without a top 10 scoring defense for the first time since 1977. 
the Bears have defeated one team with a winning record this season. And that came on a short week against Tampa where they committed the most turnovers they had all year. Off a short week, the Bears got very lucky in that one and is not a satisfying win. The Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 have more wins against winning record teams than the Chicago Bears do. Drew Brees is 5-0 and with 10 TD passes and zero interceptions versus the Bears over the last 10 seasons. The Bears are the 19th to finish 500 and earn a wild card berth. Uh, the previous eight teams are 2-6 and six in their first playoff game. So, you know, some teams have won being 8-8. Eight and eight. Hmm. The Bears have lost six straight games versus the Saints. The last win came back in 2008. Well, I got to tell you, reading all this stuff, history is not on the Bears' side with this one. I'm just, I have little to no faith. I will say this, though. The Bears are playing the team that I would like them to play, considering the Saints' shortcomings in the playoffs over the past few years. Now, those shortcomings do happen to come at the hands of some of the most ridiculous things that have ever happened on a football field. The Minnesota Miracle. Like, what was that? What was that guy thinking on that tackle against Diggs? I, I'll never understand it. Watching the replay, I'll never understand what that Saint safety was thinking when he decided to make that tackle on Diggs and give Minnesota the win. The other one, the no call pass interference against the Rams that the Saints had at the end of the game. I just atrocious officiating. Like that's that's why the Saints have come up short in the playoffs. Some fluke. Unbelievable, unreal things have happened. So I would love to pick my team, but I have little to no faith that the Bears can win this game. And it, I, it might be a blowout. I mean, this game has the most potential to be a blowout. I could see a lot of the other games being competitive. Like I even think the Bucks against Washington will be a competitive game more so than people think. But this one, I could see it getting ugly. I could see the Saints controlling this one. The Bears don't show up on prime time. They don't beat good teams. Uh, I'm very worried as a Bears fan going up against this Saints team. Like I think it's a favorable matchup just because of the Saints' shortcomings. But mm. I mean, they played earlier this year and the Bears were competitive. I mean, it was only twenty-six to twenty-three. Saints won, but I think the Saints are a much better team now, and I think the Bears really don't have much of an identity, and oh boy. I mean, look, look at just the Bears. After going on the six-game losing streak, like, who, who are the wins against? Who, <laughs> after losing six straight games, so they beat the Texans, one of the worst teams in the league. Okay, then they beat the Vikings. All right, very mediocre, underachieving team. Oh, then they beat Jacksonville, who's going to have the number one pick. That's great. And then they got demolished by the Packers. There's not a whole lot to like here as a Bears fan. Like, they're lucky they started the year 5-1. and Because after starting the year 5-1, and one, their three wins are against the Texans, Vikings, and Jags. Mm. I got to tell you, the Bears are not going to win. Give me the Saints. Ugh. As a Bears fan, it kills me to say it, but the Bears are go it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to get ugly. And now for possibly the best game of the weekend. 
The Cleveland Browns finally making the playoffs. They went 11-5. and They'll go up against divisional foe, the Pittsburgh Steelers. First of all, it's got to be mentioned that Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is just giving them bulletin board material with saying that they're the typical Browns that he's always played against. Look, they got a lot of talent. Browns are a dangerous team. For him to be saying that and getting cocky after doing all his stupid TikTok dances on Locos and they've lost to the Jets. Uh, again, I'm not afraid of the Steelers one bit. The consistency of this team has been dreadful. Now, granted, their backups competed well in the last game against the, of the year against the Browns. I, I will say that, but they they lost to the Bengals. They got demolished by the Bills. They lost to Washington. I mean, they lost to the Jets. What is there to be afraid of it as the Pits, as Pittsburgh? They didn't lose to the Jets, excuse me. But God, I, I'm not afraid of the Steelers at all. As a matter of fact, this will be the upset game. I'm going to pick the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield is going to show that he is the Browns franchise quarterback. They got a lot of talent. Frankly, I think that just the Browns are more dangerous with their run game with Chubb and Hunt than what the Steelers are. Like, I think Roethlisberger is old, washed up. Tomlin doesn't make any adjustments whatsoever when it comes to game planning and halftime adjustments and matchups. I just... I like this Browns team more so than I like what the Steelers are doing. The Browns have not won a playoff game since 1994. That was a year after I was born. <laughs> it's the fourth longest streak in the NFL. You know who's the head coach? <laughs> Bill Belichick. His defensive coordinator, Nick Saban. My, how time has flown. The Steelers allowed 14 sacks this season. That's the fewest allowed in the single season with 600 pass attempts. Look, obviously Roethlisberger is better than Mayfield, but at this point, like Roethlisberger, it's old. Like, he didn't, he's just, I'm not afraid of Roethlisberger anymore like he might have used to been with Big Ben. Uh, the Browns are the third team in the Super Bowl era to break a playoff drought over 15 seasons. Uh, Cleveland averaged 148 rushing yards per game. That's the third most in the NFL. And Pittsburgh allowed 158 rushing yards a game to divi in divisional games. <laughs> that doesn't bode well for them at all. Baker Mayfield is on a streak of 127 passes without an interception. He's being a game manager, not turning the ball over. That's how the Browns are most effective. I'm picking the Browns in this one. I can't believe I'm doing it. They're going to get a playoff win for the first time since 1994. I just, the Steelers have been so inconsistent. I think the Steelers are a little cocky in this one, too. I just, I like where the Browns are going. I know that they barely scraped by against backups like Mason Rudolph uh, last week. But I expect the Browns to come out with a bit of an edge in this one and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, with those games being the case, that would mean that going into the second round, we'll start in the AFC. That means the Chiefs would go up against the Browns and the Bills would match up against the Ravens. In the NFC, the Packers would go up against the Bucks, and the Saints would battle the Seahawks. Great matchups right there. So, 
to predict that then. I would have the Chiefs, I would have the Chiefs beating the Ravens because I think the Chiefs are really dominant. I think they're really going to show their force in these playoffs. They're definitely the favorite to win it all. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that offense is an absolute juggernaut. Ty- Tyron Matthew was all, uh, all pro first team this year. They got a great defense along with that potent offense that they have. They just can do it all. They can run the ball. Obviously, they got Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best. So I would have the Chiefs beating the Ravens even after Lamar gets his first win. But that would be a very exciting game. If the Ravens get rolling, there could be an upset, but I would pick the Chiefs. And then in the other matchup, Browns against the Bills, I'd have to take the Bills in that one. Um. I think the Browns, it would be a nice story for them to get the win, but then I think they would get exposed by a Bills team that's playing out of their mind right now and doing some incredible things on both sides of the ball. So the Bills would beat the Browns. So that would mean your AFC championship game would be the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. If that were to be the case, which I believe it will, I would still have to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. It would be, that would be, might be better than the Super Bowl. That game might be better than what the Super Bowl matchup will be because the Bills, look, trending in the right direction at the right time. Josh Allen is just showing me that he belongs in the NFL, that you can't write him off as some bum. Uh, his arm strength is incredible. The matchup with him and Diggs, their defense, they're an well-rounded, well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball, just like the Chiefs. I think that game would come down to the wire, whoever gets the ball last. But, God, no one repeats in the NFL, but I'm really going to say that the Chiefs would go back to the Super Bowl. I I just have a hard time picking against them with all the talent that they have. They learn how to win. Andy Reid finally coached a Super Bowl winner. So I, I would have to pick the Chiefs, so the Chiefs would represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So then we'll move to the NFC before I give you my Super Bowl pick. So... If my predictions will be right, which, you know, they're going to be. But so with the NFC, Packers got the one, so they would go up against the Bucks, And um, I'm going to go upset there. I actually got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Green Bay Packers. I know Rodgers, he's probably going to win the MVP. I mean, what do you have, 46 touchdowns, five, five interceptions? I, he's playing out of his mind. I think they're just a little too dependent on that Rodgers-Adams um, duo. I think they're just a little too dependent on that on the offensive end. I think bye weeks do hurt teams sometimes in the playoffs when they want to get a little mojo going. I think the Buc- just the Bucks, Tom Brady, I-, I really think they're a true Super Bowl contending team and they can knock off the Packers at Lambeau Field. Again, Brady does struggle in cold-weather environments. He's never played well in Denver. I think he'll maybe struggle a little bit in Washington, but I just really believe that this team can get it done with all the offensive firepower they had, with all the drama surrounding them. They still went 11-5, and so I believe that the Bucs would beat the Packers. And in that 2-3 matchup, the Saints against the Seahawks. Oh, what a game that would be. Drew Brees against Russell Wilson. Sean Payton against Pete Carroll. Two geniuses at coaching. Mm, that would be going to be... 
it is going to be an incredible matchup. Whew. It's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I would I would have to go. I think the Saints are going to overcome their playoff shortcomings from the past few years and show that they are one of the best teams in the league, that they really do belong in the upper echelons of teams in the NFL. And frankly, I just like their roster more than what the Seahawks offer. Look, the defense for the Seahawks trending in the right direction, doing all the right things, but... I still think they might be a lim- little limited on the offensive end just with the lack of running game. You know, and the Saints have Kamara, like, and he's one of the best running backs in the league. And they still have a potent offense with Drew Brees under center. So I would pick the Saints to beat the Seahawks. So that means your NFC championship game would be the battle of the NFC South. The Tampa Bay Bucks against the New Orleans Saints. And I know the Saints, they have dominated the mat- that matchup. I mean, both games have been ugly. It was the first game of the year for the Tampa Bay Bucks. They got destroyed. Then there was the Sunday night football game where the Bucks ran the ball, what, five or six times and got absolutely obliterated. It was like watching a, tra- a car crash that just was never ending. And it, look, I will say though, it is tough to beat a team three times. When it comes to the Saints against the Bucks, it would be tough. The game would be in New Orleans, in a dome, drastically different than what Brady has had to deal with through this playoff run so far. I'm really gonna do it. I don't believe that the Saints would have beat them three times. The Bucks will have finally figured out what the New Orleans Saints are doing to them. I'm going to pick the Tampa Bay Bucks to beat the New Orleans Saints. That's right. Who that? The Tampa Bay Bucks. The Tampa Bay Bucks are going to beat the Saints in the NFC Championship games, which means your Super Bowl would be the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh my goodness. Look, the up and coming young Buck, his name being Patrick Mahomes going up against the GOAT, Tom Brady. First year, Tom Brady making it all the way to the Super Bowl. I know it's hard to believe, but I have a hard time picking against the GOAT when it comes to the playoffs. He's just shown me so much. I mean, he's won six Super Bowls. I don't care what you say. The man has been absolutely dominant when it comes to the most important time of the year. And they just have a really stacked team. I like what the offense is doing. They're gelling right. The defense is really solid for them. So the Bucs would go against the Chiefs. But that is where the miracle run would end, even though the Bucs would be hosting the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is going to be in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium. I can't, couldn't tell you when the last time a team actually played in their home stadium for a Super Bowl, if it's ever happened. I'm sure it's happened at some point in history. There's been 55 Super Bowls. At some point, it's had to have happened. And yeah, actually, no, I'm mistaken. No team has ever played in the big game on its home field. No team has ever done it. So, hmm, we. Well, I will say, though, that's where the... 
the Chiefs are going to repeat as Super Bowl champions. That's right. I got I got the Chiefs beating the Bucks in the Super Bowl. It would be a very exciting game. Old head Tom Brady, 43 years old, going up against the new kid on the block, Patrick Mahomes. Whew. It, it would be a match made in heaven if that was the Super Bowl. Here we go. But, yep, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. So that's my playoff predictions for the NFL. It begins tomorrow, 1 o'clock. People tune in. I already predicted it. At this point, you don't even need to watch. You just need to have heard this to know what's going to happen. You can't stop the inevitable. So here we go. Topic number two. Look, the NBA. Uh, teams are playing their 10th game of the night. The Lakers are 6-3. and three. I'm currently watching them play the Chicago Bulls right now. Uh, they're 6-3. and three. But uh, just like I did with the last episode, I kind of want to do reactions this point through two weeks. So I'm going to give you the, my five reactions to this point of what has happened in the action so far. So the first thing I want to react to is the Philadelphia 76ers. Look, they got absolutely blitzkrieged yesterday by the Brooklyn Nets who didn't have KD or Kyrie play. They just look sluggish. They look slow, yet they still have the best record in the association. They are 7-2. and two. Uh, They're only lost to the Nets and to the Cavs. Uh, But then it needs to be said that their only wins, like, yeah, they have seven wins. That's great. But who who have they beaten? Well, they've beaten the Wizards twice. They've beaten the Knicks. They've beaten the Raptors. They've beaten the Magic. And they've beaten the Hornets twice. What does that tell you? Like, I don't consider a lot of those teams real, true playoff championship contenders. They haven't had really a marquee, dominant, good win all year. Now, it needs to be said that tomorrow they do play the Denver Nuggets, which will be um, a prove-it game for them. But I just think the 76ers have a long way to go before I really believe in them as true championship contenders. I think Doc Rivers is doing a nice job. Joel Embiid, I think he's the second-best center in the league behind Jokic. He's averaging 24 points. 12 rebounds, 1.8 blocks per game. He's been great. He's been great for them. But look, just go down the roster a little bit. Tobias Harris, we're really believing in him as the second option. He's currently the second leading scorer on the team at 19 points. Right behind him, Seth Curry, having a great season shooting the lights out. What is he shooting? 50% from the field and like 58. 59.5% from three. His field goal percentage is 60% through through nine games. Uh, That's absolutely incredible. He's averaging 17 points. And Shake Milton averaging 14.1. And then Ben Simmons. Look, this is the reason I think that they are not true championship contenders. It's because Ben Simmons refuses to shoot the ball. I went to go watch the 76ers play the Orlando Magic here in Orlando at Amway. And he, Ben Simmons, he made a three. I will say that. He did make a three. He's only taken one three-point attempt this year. And it's not even about shooting the threes. He's one for one this year. But for his career, he is three for 25. He's made a third of his career three-pointers in just one game in this season. Uh, three for 25. I think his reluctancy to shoot 
any shot from the outside. Forget just three-pointers to shoot mid-range shots. You know, it just I, it'll really hurt this team's chances to actually compete because the game slows down in the playoffs and defenses key in on guys and they're going to force him to shoot. They're going to be like, okay, we're going to double and beat at every opportunity and we'll, if you want to live with Tobias Harris, Shake Milton and Ben Simmons getting the job done for you in the playoffs, that's very worrisome. Very worrisome indeed. A little, that's a, it's a very nice start to the year. At 7-2, and two, best record in the league, but I don't see them being better than the Nets. I don't see them better, being better than the Celtics. I don't see them being better than the Bucks. I don't see them even possibly being better than the Heat as the year goes on. I, I just think they're, even the Celtics, I would say, would be better than them at this point. And Celtics have come on strong. They've won four in a row. I just, the, the 76ers just have a lot to show me as the year goes on that they need to prove that they are true championship contenders. So I would say they still have a lot to prove with not having any marquee wins. And look, they're a better team than they were last year. They have put themselves in a better position to win, adding Seth Curry, adding Danny Green, adding Dwight Howard. All those moves have improved the roster. But with Embiid, second best big in the league, second best center in the league behind Jokic. But Ben Simmons' reluctancy to shoot is going to hold them back. And Tobias Harris is going to hold them back as well. So I have not truly bought in to the 76ers. And look, they came out sluggish yesterday against a net. And I don't like to always just believe in one game when it comes to watching basketball. There's no reason to react. That's why I like to do reactions of over a week, over a few games. That's really a better way to see it because they play multiple games because any given night, anyone can beat anyone. But over a long period of time, you really see what kind of team they are. And I'm just not bought in to the 76ers just based on the wins that they have to this point. But a team that I do really like that has shown me a lot has been the Phoenix Suns. They're off to a really nice start. Look, they had a, a crushing defeat tonight, lost in overtime to the Pistons of all teams. They lost 110 to 105. Uh, Jeremy Grant had 31 and 10 and a crucial assist near the end of regulation and a big overtime for him. I just like how this team is constructed. It's only their third loss on the year. The other losses that they have, they came against the Kings, who I think are a playoff contender. And then the Clippers, where they lost by five points to the Clippers, three points to the Kings, and five points to the Pistons. With Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, I think it might be the best trio in the NBA. I mean, Devin Booker is averaging 21 and a half. I think the score the scoring is great. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven guys averaging double digits right now. That includes Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Bridges, Cameron Jordan, Jay Crowder, Saric. I mean, even Cameron Payne is averaging eight points a game. They got eight guys in the rotation who are averaging over seven points a game. That's great. That's fantastic. It just shows that Chris Paul is a true winner everywhere he goes. He's averaging 8.2 assists per game. DeAndre Ayton's averaging a double-double right now. I just, I like how, I love the trio for the Suns. 
I'm very shocked that they are this good this early. But the trio of Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul is really good, and I love where the Suns are headed. They have shown me a lot. And, okay, maybe if you want, you can nitpick they win, but their wins, but they've beaten the Mavericks, they've beaten the Kings, they've beaten the Pelicans, they've beaten the Jazz, they've beaten the Nuggets, and the Raptors have struggled, but they have beaten them as well. All teams, Mavericks were in the playoffs. I think the Kings will be fighting for a playoff spot. The Pelicans were invited to the bubble. The Jazz were in the playoffs last year. The Nuggets were in the playoffs last year. The Raptors were in the playoffs last year. They are beating very talented, solid teams. I know the Raptors are 1-6, but I just like what the Suns are doing to this point. They're really allowing Booker to shine. Chris Paul is doing his thing. He's just a winner everywhere he goes. Love what the Suns are doing. They're going to be dangerous and might be fighting for a top-four spot in this difficult Western Conference. So, hmm, I'm excited for what the Suns have to do. My third takeaway, the Hawks are having chemistry issues. And there was a report that just came out, Josh Collins, he was critical of the Hawks offense just running through Trey Young. It came out in The Athletic. Very interesting article. I would recommend people read it. Um, Josh Collins, the fourth-year big man who is just weeks um, before bet on himself in a big way um, as he failed to accept an extension from the Hawks. He, they, he turned down $90 million, um, shockingly, and has shown that he's unhappy um, with how they're viewing um, Trey Young running the offense. According to three sources who were either in the uh, session, uh, the film session, that being, or had knowledge of what was said, Colin raised several issues about the way the Hawks um, are running things um, with Trey Young at the helm. He doesn't like that they're getting shots up too quickly. Um, specifically, Collins talked about the need to get into offenses sets more quickly and to limit all those early shot clocks attempt that leave his teammates on the outside looking in. He shared his desire to be more involved and expressed a desire for more ball movement and flow of the offense. Look, again, uh, the Hawks, they started out very nicely, but they are now on a, th- what, three-game losing streak? Yeah, three-game losing streak. They started the year four and one. Now they are four and four. And these losses come against the Hornets, Knicks, Cavaliers. Yeah, they beat the Nets, but they've also lost to the Nets. They beat the Pistons, the Grizzlies, Bulls. Like, they don't really have a signature win against anyone other than the Nets, I guess. But I don't. it is a concern. Like, your fourth guy, kind of guy you want to be your centerpiece moving forward, is really critical of your star player. And I know Trey Young is one of the best up-and-coming players, plays little to no defense, but it's got to be an issue. I mean, look at just last night's game against the Hornets. Or was it two nights ago? Either way, dreadful. I mean, Gordon Hayward went off, scored 44 points. He scored more points combined than what Collins, Trey Young, Oh, my God. And Cam Reddish, Clint Capella, and Bogdanovich put up. Trey Young went 2 for 9 and 0 for 3 from 3. He had 7 points, 3 assists, minus 15 for the game. Had 7 turnovers. He had many turnovers as points. Bogdanovich, 1 for 5 from the field, had 2 points. Wallace Collins that night had 23 points, 11 rebounds, and just... 
I thought the Hawks were a nice surprise to start the year, but it, I don't know. I think the chemistry issues are going to play a big factor moving forward, especially when one player disagrees with what the star player is doing for this team. I'm just, I'd be very worried if I were the Hawks right now. And they brought in a lot of guys like Capella, Bogdanovich. I, they have a nice little core with Reddish, Hunter, Young. I'm, you would expect them to have a decent team, but I think chemistry issues are going to hurt this team moving forward. I will say, though, Josh Collins is one to talk about, you know, the offense and being let down and being on the outside looking in when he was suspended last year for 25 games. I mean, he let his team down. So it's a little interesting to hear him talk and speak negatively about his team in in that light. But maybe it's something to light a fuel under their fire, look at things a little differently. Uh, The Hawks' next game, who do they got? They play the Hornets. They play the Hornets tomorrow. So it should be a very winnable game, but they did just lose to the Hornets. So... And they're on a three-game losing streak. And I think chemistry is playing a big factor into it. I mean, they allow Trey Young to have the green light. He's allowed to shoot any shot he wants. And I think during the film session, Trey Young really took it to heart of like, okay, you want to get more offensive sets? Great, we're going to do that. And I'm going to take, what do you take, seven shots. No, nine shots, excuse me. Went two for nine, had seven points, seven turnovers, three assists. I mean, clearly... Chemistry might be an issue moving forward for a team that had playoff aspirations. He also had a Dino Gallinari, so, but he, he suffered through injury a little bit. It's just interesting to see how a team can get off to such a hot start and then kind of deter, and it shows that chemistry will be an issue moving forward for the Hawks. Fourth takeaway that I need to have, look, Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league. It needs to be said right now, Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league, and the slander about Steph Curry needs to stop immediately. You can say whatever you want about the Warriors. Look, they, they're not the same team, but they're 4-4 four and four right now. They just lost to the Clippers. They're currently playing them right now, uh, going back and forth game. But the, the Steph slander, it needs to stop. I mean, this guy is averaging 30 points a game, 30 points a game, and people are just dogging him. Absolutely disrespecting the only unanimous MVP in league history. I mean, he's averaging 30 points a game. He's shooting 45% from the field, 35% from three. Uh, Look, he's got to do a lot for a team that has a lot of limitations. I mean, Wiggins is the second best player. Nothing against Wiggins. He's actually stepped up a little better in the past few games. They look nice against Sacramento. They look nice against Portland. Uh, Steph had a big game against the Clippers, still lost, having a big game tonight. He's got 33 points, 10 assists, game's not over yet. I just, this team has a lot of limitations, and Steph Curry has to do a lot. I don't feel sorry for him. I'm not going to say that. I don't feel sorry for Steph one bit because LeBron has had to deal with crappy, not great teams throughout his career, and he's overcome that and gotten them to the finals. I don't think Steph Curry is that good to be able to do something like that with this team, especially consider the talent that's around the league. But the Steph slander needs to stop. A lot of people are saying he's not even the best point guard in the league, that he he's washed, that he's not, not that good, he's overrated. Just the slander needs to stop immediately. He's averaging 30 points a game and is unbelievable. He's transcended the game of basketball. I've heard some people say that Derrick Rose 
is a better point guard than Steph Curry. These people are out of their mind. The Steph slander has gone too far. I do think this team will compete for a playoff spot, if not guarantee themselves to get into the playoffs. I just... The Steph slander needs to stop. It's unacceptable. I mean, he's averaging 30 points. That's second in the league. He's averaging 6.3 assists, five rebounds a game. He's got the 12th highest per in the league at 25.56. Everyone needs to calm down. The slander needs to stop. It's unacceptable to this point. And my fifth takeaway, Kyrie Irving. Quite the character. I mean, he is a character. Look, yesterday uh, they had a game against the Philadelphia 76ers on TV, and Kyrie Irving didn't play. Kevin Durant's out because he has to quarantine because of um, for COVID reasons, but Kyrie didn't play for personal reasons. And apparently, Steve Nash texted Kyrie, didn't hear an answer. Um, his status for the Nets game on Sunday is still unknown. Um, he didn't travel for the Friday's game. Now, I don't know if the rumor is true, but the rumor is saying that Kyrie was, he didn't want to play. He didn't feel like playing. I don't know in any other profession whatsoever like, if he, you want to sit him out and claim he has an injury for load management issues, okay, I can understand that. But to completely not play at all and say, I don't feel like playing, that's the report. The report is saying that he doesn't, he didn't feel like playing. I don't know what any other profession where you can just decide, yeah, I don't feel like going. And just, like, not telling anyone. Like, apparently Steve Nash texted him. They didn't even know where he was. Like, people were saying, like, I hope Kyrie's okay. Apparently, he is okay. He just didn't want to play. I I just find that baffling that a guy who plays basketball would just be like, nah, I don't want to play. Like, he plays at the peak. He plays at the highest level of basketball, and he just, nah, I don't feel like it. Like, even at McDonald's, if a guy was like, nah, I don't feel like going. I'm not going. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to tell my boss. Fired on the spot immediately. Like, basketball is the only sport where you can get away with it. And I think he'll get fined. Like, something's going to happen. There will be repercussions for this. But he is just a character, man. I mean, it is very baffling to me that some of the things that he does, some of the things he does, it's a little bothersome of the things that he chooses to do. But Maui, wowie, I just, he's a character. And I don't want to disrespect him too much. At all. Like, I don't want to disrespect him. I just think he's an oddball guy who goes by the beat of his own drums, does things a little differently. It's just it's just a little baffling of just some of the things that he decides to do and the way he goes about it. It's, it's very odd to me what he chooses to do out there. And I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, Steve Nash said he didn't know why Kyrie didn't play. Like, why he didn't show up. What? How does your coach not know why you're not showing up? Why you miss the game? Huh? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, even, literally, direct quote from Steve Nash. I don't know on why Kyrie was absent. I just found out. I just sent him a text in the last half hour. I haven't heard back yet. Obviously thinking about him and hope all is well. It's a private matter. 
And apparently that private matter is, I didn't feel like it. Um, you know, I, d I just didn't feel like it. And, you know, maybe he took a mental health day after what happened at the Capitol. But it's just very odd to me that a guy could just not decide to play. I, ju I don't feel like it. No. Nah. Nah, and then apparently the Nets announced that he's not flying for the team's game. Um, that happened tonight. And he, he didn't play tonight against the Grizzlies. He's just a character. Really is just a character, that Kyrie Irving. Well, those are my takeaways after two weeks of basketball action in the NBA. Topic number three, the college football playoff is Monday. That's right, Monday. We are going to crown a national champion. Wow. I'm, here we are. After the pandemic season, we finally get to see who the national championship was. After all the controversy of should a 16, of a 16 team, should they be in? Well, guess what? Ohio State upset Clemson. They proved me wrong. I didn't think they were going to win, but here they are. They beat Clemson pretty handily at that. Like, it dominated Clemson. It, it was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen on the field. And I'm not a big fan of Clemson at all. I'm kind of glad that they lost, but it's interesting to see that Ohio State just got, just steamrolled them. Just absolutely steamrolled them after six wins. But, you know, Dabo gave them a lot of... Yeah, a lot of bulletin board material, and, you know, that's what happens sometimes. So the national championship will be the University of Alabama against the Ohio State University. The game will be 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN January 11th at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. There will be limited fans in capacity. I'm going to give you my pick. I got to tell you. Ohio State is a very interesting story. Justin Fields played out of his mind. I think his draft stock is going to continue to rise. But this juggernaut that is Alabama is not going to be B. I mean, they had two Heisman finalists, and I think the runner-up behind Devontae Smith was Mac, Mac Jones. I mean, they are just so good. Like, it's just your typical Nick Saban Alabama team. It just they are incredible. Just wow. I just I have a heart like I already thought Clemson was going to win that game uh against Ohio State, but I gotta tell you, I got Alabama winning this one. It's a nice story, which was Ohio State only getting into the playoffs with six wins, upsetting Clemson um as big underdogs, but I, I'm gonna take Alabama. I just think they have a better team. They got, they got the more talented players. They got the Heisman Trophy winner. I think they got the Heisman Trophy runner-up, one of the finalists. Uh, Nick Saban's a better coach than Ryan Day. I just Everything is pointing for Alabama to win this game. And I don't want to say blowout because Ohio State's a good team, but Alabama is just, wow. I mean, who has come with... 
I mean, they've scored more than 31 points in every game this year. The only team to hold them under 38 points this year was their last game against Notre Dame. And as a Notre Dame fan, Alabama dominated throughout. Like, it wasn't a close game at all. Like, Notre Dame played as well as you could against that juggernaut, but it was definitively won by Alabama. And I think Alabama will, again, win definitively and win another national championship. I mean, how many national championships does Nick Saban have? Uh, just He wins a lot. He, he wins a lot. It, just, it, it's, it seems like it's every year. I mean, what? He won a national championship at LSU in 2003, and then he won the BCS national championship and the AP with Alabama in 2009, 2011, 2012, when the college football uh, playoff championship in 2005 and 2017. So it's just the continuous juggernaut that is Alabama football. They will win another one. And in this crazy pandemic year, Alabama will be crowned as your national champions. We're making a lot of picks on this episode of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. A lot of episodes in just three topics. Moving on, topic number four, big trade. Probably the biggest trade in Major League Baseball uh, thus far, and besides the Mookie Betts trade last year, one of the biggest trades. Francisco Lindor, shortstop formerly with the Cleveland Indians, has been traded to the New York Metropolitans. Wow, just a big trade. The Indians moving on from Lindor. Uh, they also trade Carlos Carrasco. Um, it just, the Mets, they get their guy, Steve Cohen, coming in, ch- changing what we thought the Mets always were, kind of an afterthought, underachievers. You know, Mets are going to Mets. It's just what we've always said about this team. But they got their guy. They got their franchise cornerstone. Um, Lindor is what? The second best, if not the best, shortstop in the game. I mean, who would you consider better? Honestly, if you really think about it, like, who? I'm a diehard Cubs fan. And I love Javier Baez. But I don't think he's better than Lindor. Marcus Simeon? No. Bogarts of Boston? No. Tatis, I like him as a young, up-and-coming player, but Lindor's only 26 as well. He's young. Gabriel Torres, no way. Polanco with the Twins, no shot. Correa with the Asterix, no way. I mean, really, only Trevor Story would be the only guy that I would possibly consider better than Francisco Lindor. And I would still, I think I still would take Lindor over Trevor Story if I had to choose between both players. I mean, he's my mistake. He's 27. You know, I, this is a big trade for the Mets. They got their guy. Really big move for them. I like what they did, but it is just baffling. I mean, he's a career 285 hitter, on base percentage of 346, slugging of 488, OPS of 833. He's been an all-star every year of his career except for last year. He was second in Rookie of the Year voting in 2015. He's gotten MVP votes every year in the league except for last year. Look, last year, 
kind of a crazy fluke year, I think. You know, only 60 games. He only hit 285, but his on-base percentage was 335. Same as the his 2019 campaign and better than his 2017 campaign. It just – Lindor is a fantastic player, and it just baffles me. It baffles me when teams get rid of incredible talent. I, I will never understand why these major league teams are not willing to retain the talent that they have. I mean, like, just with the Red Sox, like what they did with Mookie Betts, how could you trade a player like that? He's a gold glove in right field. He's one of the best hitters in the game. Uh, he does it all. He's a five-tool player. He's what every team dreams of drafting. And the Red Sox are just like, let him walk. We don't want to pay him. We don't want to pay him over $300 million. And this is what I think why the Indians traded Lindor. It's like, we don't want to pay him. You know, we we don't want to pay the best guy at his position. Let him walk. We, we don't want him. And the Indians, the Indians should be ashamed. Just listen to some of the guys that the Indians have traded since 2019 alone. They've traded now Lindor. <laughs> Trevor Bauer, uh, Cy Young winner, Trevor Bauer at that, just won the Cy Young in the NL. Corey Kluber, Mike Clevenger, Brad Han, and Carlos Santana is departing in free agency this winter. There's no chance they're going to retain him. <laughs> I just, yeah, okay, they have Shane Bieber and, you know, and have an MVP candidate, Jose Ramirez, but... I bet those guys will be gone in a couple years as well because the Indians are, well, we don't want to pay him. Like, we don't want to pay him. Like, they are trading some of the best players in the league. Like, think about that pitching staff. Carrasco, Bauer, Kluver, Clevenger. Now they got this Shane Bieber guy on the come up who just won the Cy Young. I, I just can't. Gives me a migraine thinking on how these teams just give up these guys. It just, I'll never understand it. And look, I could, these contracts, look, give him a Bobby Bonilla deal. Extend that contract out. Pay him till 2035 or whatever. You don't have to pay him $30 million a year. You can allocate that money in remaining years. Extend the contract. I, I, it aggravates me when teams refuse to retain top talent. To what? What are they going to put that money towards? You're a major league team. You have money. You have money to distribute throughout your roster, and you're not going to do it? Make it make sense to me. If someone in baseball or another baseball fan can make it make sense to me why you don't retain top talent in on your roster and just let go of guys for prospects who you pray to the Lord that they become half of what these players are to then eventually let them walk if they do become that good. I just someone make it make sense to me. I really don't understand it. It's it's nauseating to think that these teams can just get rid of top tier talent. Mets got their guy. Indians. Like as an Indians fan, are you happy today that you got rid of Lindor? I mean he wants he wanted to be there. He was like, I'm happy in Cleveland. I enjoy being here. How could you not keep a guy like that who says he wants to stay in Cleveland? Cleveland. Nobody vacations in Cleveland. Nobody says Cleveland is cool. Just like Joe Kim Noah said. 
Like, have you ever heard anyone say anything good about Cleveland? No. It's why LeBron left twice. <laughs> it's why, as a sports city, it's an embarrassment. I just, oh, we're a small market team. We can't retain a guy like that. Bullshit. I call bullshit. I, I just will never, never understand what, what these teams are thinking. I, just, I, I will never be able to understand it until someone can actually give me a definitive, good, solid reason on why it's worth getting rid of top-tier talent for nothing. For nothing. Like, they are not getting anything back for him. It just, wow. Good for the Mets. Good for the Mets. They got a great player. They got an all-star caliber player. And the Indians, they're taking a nosedive. Like, they're going to get worse. And I imagine they're going to make more deals. And I imagine the teams in their division, like the Twins, like the White Sox, are going to try and get better and improve their teams rather than getting worse, rather than regressing like the Indians. So shame on you, Indians. But good for you, Metropolitans. Way to do the right thing and get top-tier talent. Topic number five, a lot of NFL coaching changes. I just want to talk about it real quick. A lot of openings. Like, a lot of coaches got fired. Adam Gates lost his job after the final game of the regular season for the Jets. Look there, And who else lost their job? I'm, it's a lot of openings. A lot of openings. Uh, who was it? Oh, Doug Marone. He also was let go by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, there are six teams that are currently looking for a head coach. Um, I'll just give you the quick order of what I think the best coaching jobs are currently in the NFL. Number one's got to be the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, Anthony Lynn, he went 7-9 and nine with this team. Uh, they were kind of rocky um, throughout the year, but they have the most talent. I mean, Justin Herbert, I would say he's established himself as a for sure starter in the NFL no doubt about it. They got Joey Bosa. They got Keenan Allen. They got Derwin James. I get a great nucleus of players. I'm, if you look at all the rosters in the NFL, and if you're a coach who's up for a job, where would you want to go most? Got to be the Chargers. Got to be the Chargers. So, and just like what they're doing, you know, they they have a lot of talent. They finished the year seven and nine. What's not to like about them? I would say the second best job would have to be. I mean, the team that has the number one pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, whatever coach they're going to bring in is going to allow them to really groom Trevor Lawrence and be, and hopefully make him everything he's supposed to be and made out to be um, when it comes to being a quarterback. Um, it was time for Doug Marone to go. It was time for Dave Caldwell to go as GM. I'm just... The roster just isn't great, but they got the most cap space of all the teams in the league, so you're allowed to do a lot. It's about $80 million. They still got DJ Clark. They got James Robinson. They got Josh Allen at defensive end. They got Miles Jack. I mean, they got good teams. And, I mean, Chaka Khan, like, he's going to try and make things happen as an owner. He's a very forward-thinking owner. So I would say Jacksonville is the second-best job for NFL coaches. I mean, with all the cap space that they have with the quarterback future that they're going to get in Trevor Lawrence, the definitive, for sure, number one pick. Jacksonville would be insane not to draft him. They've been tanking for Trevor, Trevor all year. You got to think that's the second best job in the NFL. So, yeah, Jacksonville. Third, 
This is where it kind of, you know, you can pick and choose where you want to go. Um, I would say the Texans would be the best, you know, because of Deshaun Watson. Still got J.J. Watt. You know, still got Tunsil. They got a decent talent, you know, and anything would be an upgrade from what the embarrassment that Bill O'Brien did there. I mean, coaching is coaching is imperative for them at this point. They've still got a decent roster. They can make moves throughout. So I, w- I would say Texans coming at three. At four would be the Atlanta Falcons. You know, they still got, I guess, a franchise quarterback in Matt Ryan. They still got Julio Jones. Um, you know, they just got a decent roster. Um, cast situation's a little difficult, you know, with Todd Gurley making so much money. But um, Arthur Blank, the owner, he, I mean, he's one of the best owners in the league, I would say, for sure. Really cares about his team. Um, so I would say Falcons then come in at number four. And then, God, the, the two other bottom feeders. It's so funny how just there's the typical bottom feeders of the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Lions. I would say at this point, the better job would be, hmm, who I, I guess. I don't even know if I want to say that the Jets, but the Lions are just so bad. They're just such a bad team. They don't have a lot of cap space. So I would actually say the Jets is a better job than what the Lions are offering. Uh, just because you can do a lot. What do they got? Like $70 million in projected cap space? Um, do they draft a quarterback? You know, you really get to decide the future of the team if you come in as a coach and you can really establish what you want to do, as most coaches should be able to do. This is an organization that would really give you, you know, give you the keys. They gave it to Adam Gase. He was a disappointment and an embarrassment. So I would say that the Jets is a better job um, overall than than the Lions. Like, what do the Lions have to offer? I mean, like, Matt Stafford's there, but that's about it. And I would say his future with the team is pretty questionable, and if I were him, he should request a trade and get the hell out of D-Town because it's it's the Lions, and that's, that's where you go to have your career shortened because of an incompetent organization. Like, the Lions, I've already talked about it, worst organization in NFL history. So, yeah, I would say they have the worst coaching opportunities, but six head coaching jobs to be filled, and that would be in the order of best jobs. It would be the Chargers, Jaguars, Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons, New York Jets, and the Detroit Lions. And now for my unpopular opinion. As we move into 2021, in these unprecedented times of the coronavirus pandemic that's still going after a toxic, volatile election that we just had. And I'm, we all know the news. Unless you live under a rock, you know, Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol building and did damage to it as Congress was meeting to approve the electoral results in favor of Joe Biden. I mean, we just, wow, the Times like this, they're going down in the history books. It's going down, <laughs> what was it, January? It was just a couple days ago. What was it, January 7th? Uh, or was it January 6th? Either way, it's going to go down as a day in his history that they stormed the U.S. Capitol. And boy, but my unpopular opinion with it. Look, obviously, those guys are idiots. I'm not going to defend anything like that. I'm not going to do anything like that. But, dear God, 
everyone just love everybody. I mean, it is sad the kind of world that we live in where everything is just so one way or the other. And if you don't agree with me, go fuck yourself. That's a terrible mentality to have, people. You can disagree with each other, but just be cordial with each other. Be nice to each other. I think you might get along with people you disagree with if you actually have a real, true, honest conversation with them. Please, my unpopular opinion, as we go farther into 2020, we're just nine days in and it already seems like things are just ramping up. But please, people, I'm begging you. Just everybody love everybody. That's my unpopular opinion. You can get along with people you disagree with. It's not that difficult. Please, as we go into 2021, change your mindset. Learn to get along with people who don't disagree with you. Don't take everything so seriously. Enjoy the life that we get because, wow, this world is a fucking circus. <laughs> and all, we only got one life, so let's enjoy it together by loving one another. And boy, I guess it's an unpopular opinion nowadays to say that I can be friends with someone who has completely different beliefs than me. But that's how I was raised, that's how I think, and that's how I grew up. So just everybody love everybody as we move in and move on with this new year, that being 2021. And that's the end of episode 46 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you know, check me out on social media. Feel free to hit me up whenever you want to talk sports. But in the meantime, all I have to say is I love all of you. All right. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>